that was when I was like, hmm, this does not seem okay. I was trusting the experts and, you know, I continued on this path. And that's when I said, hmm, I think we need to try something different. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 393. Today, we're talking about helping ADHD with nutrition with Dana Kay. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. Very interesting. But listen, first, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And if you get some value from this podcast, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow and it takes like 30 seconds. I hugely, hugely appreciate it. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Dana Kay, a board-certified holistic health and nutrition practitioner and the founder of the ADHD Thrive Institute and creator of the ADHD Thrive Method for Kids program. Dana has been featured in Forbes, Authority Magazine, Medium, Thrive Global, and various others. And we're going to talk about how to help kids with ADHD. And you may have a kid with ADHD issues in that family. You're probably struggling from tantrums and stress. You might be dealing with multiple medications. And this episode is talking to Dana has the perspective that many of these challenges could possibly, might possibly be relieved through nutrition. So we're going to talk about how you can reduce those ADHD symptoms naturally. We're really going to dive into inflammation and the gut-brain connection. So I hope this episode is helpful for you. Let's get to it. Join me at the table as I talk to Dana Kay. The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. Dana, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here, Hunter. I'm excited to talk to you. And we have talked to different people about ADHD, and I'm excited to talk to you with this perspective um, from the nutrition standpoint and to, to dive into that. But first, I'm curious about how did you get interested and how did you become fascinated in this issue of ADHD and nutrition? 
Yeah, look, I'm definitely fascinated. And I, the more I am in it, the more I am fascinated. But believe it or not, I was actually completely removed from this space. Uh, I was actually in accounting uh, and I actually planned to be an accountant, you know, for my whole career. And that was, you know, my dream to be a businesswoman with an office uh, when I was a little child. And I, you know, I, I got that dream. But when I had children, that all changed, as most things do when you do have children. And my son, you know, was born um, really healthy, but uh, as he started to get older, age two, three, four, uh, my concerns over his health started to grow and he would be extremely hyperactive compared to other kids. He'd be bouncing off the walls. He would be uh, uh, not able to sit still uh, to eat breakfast or dinner. Uh, he would have these meltdowns, and I think the meltdowns were the hardest because it just completely puts um, the whole family on hold. And, you know, they got more dramatic as he got older and not got less. It was sort of like, well, the terrible twos is always bad. But for him, it actually got worse and worse. And my, my gut told me that there was something missing, that was something was not quite right. And I'd ask his teachers and his pediatrician, and they'd all just say to me, oh, He's he's a boy. It you know that's exactly what boys do. And but I knew that something was wrong. And at the age of four, wow, four years old. Uh, that's when sort of his preschool teachers started to know, notice a little bit of a difference. And he was actually diagnosed with ADHD. And we were immediately handed a prescription medication. Wow. And 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 between you and me, I I actually felt relieved, and mm -hmm. I relieved. I was relieved with the diagnosis. Uh -huh. you know, I wasn't a bad mom. It wasn't my parenting that was doing this. Um, no. And I was relieved with the medication, thinking, you know, we were going to finally get the help that we needed and, uh, you know, there was going to be a pill that could fix our family. But, um, you know, at first it was great. Uh, I couldn't wait to give it to him and it, it, it was really good. He started to settle down a bit. He started to focus better. Uh, you know, his tantrums got a little bit less. Uh, but then we started to see, you know, at the end of the day, these mammoth meltdowns come out. It was like it was like all being pent up all day long, and then they would just explode in the in the evening. And and that's when the doctor increased the dose, and then the you know the side effects became worse. And so the doctor added on another medication, so a second medication on top of that. What were the side effects? So the effect was that it was supposed to help him calm down and be able to focus more at four. He wasn't like just sitting down and doing schoolwork, but. No, it was more to, you know, help with the tantrums, calm his body down so he could sit and eat dinner and, uh -huh. um, and you know, be able to just sit at school or preschool or whatever in for more than one minute sort of thing. And so then. the symptoms for him, uh, what happened was firstly, Obviously, he couldn't, um, didn't want to eat much. He started to lose weight. Uh, he wasn't able to sleep, so we had to give melatonin every night. Wait, so this is on the medication. These are the side effects, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And so that's when the doctor added another prescription in the afternoon. So he was on two, uh, and the side effects continued and got worse. His meltdowns actually got way more severe in the afternoon because he was, like, coming off the medication. Uh, and then the doctor added a third medication. Wow. And it, uh, this was when he was five and he was on three medications. And then uh, he started to get really, really anxious. Uh, you know, he was never anxious before. He started to get really, really anxious. And the doctor wanted to add a fourth medication to treat the anxiety, which was an SSRI. 
And that was when I was like, hmm, this does not seem okay. I was trusting the experts, Mm. uh, you know, thinking that your pediatrician knows best. And, you know, I continued on this path. And that's when I said, hmm, I think we need to try something different. And that's when my career path completely changed. I dove into all the science and the research and the published studies. I went back to school. I did my holistic health and nutrition degree. I did multiple specific certifications in this particular area for children with these neurodevelopmental disorders. And I really learned that ADHD symptoms and associated symptoms or disorders can be reduced naturally. You know, I learned how food can affect so many aspects of our lives. And today my son is thriving. He hasn't been on meds for years. He's almost 13. He's in middle school. He's a straight A student, but most importantly, he's happy. Uh, My family's happy. (laughs) And we now have peace and calm in our house that I just once craved. I used to dread every morning waking up, what mood was he going to be in? But once I learned all of this and once I saw all of the changes could have on my own family. I really couldn't keep this information to myself anymore. You know, I really didn't want anyone else to have to go through the struggles that my family went through. And over the years, I've been lucky enough to work with close to a thousand other families, help them get to the same place as me, but just so much quicker and without as much pain. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And it's, it's, it's an inter- so fascinating because in the this sort of standard American medical degree, they're they're not taught a lot about nutrition. I, I mean, this is I mean, we have a some health issues happening in my family with my husband and nutrition and what he's eating seems to be a big part of it. But it's so frustrating for us because we know we go to just the regular doctors and it's not even considered mm. in any way, shape, or form. Like there there's there's just no dis- which seems boggles my mind because. It makes such a big difference. And I can't believe that we're not, that our doctors aren't learning more about it or considering this idea at all. Yeah, it it, it boggles my mind every single day. You know, I've got families that this one family has three kids and two of them have got ADHD and one has autism. And uh, two of the kids had been suspended from school 35 times last year. She went through my program, changed their diet, added in a few key supplements, and these kids have not been suspended once. And they are thriving and they're winning awards and they're actually excelling. And so when that happens, I just it makes me actually quite angry. You know, we went to our pediatrician. I said, I'm going to change my son's diet. I want to do some testing on the gut, see what's going on in the gut-brain connection. And he said, don't bother. None of that works. That's what he said to me. Oh, wow. We don't have that pediatrician anymore. but Yeah, I guess not. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, You know, it's it's just not – look, doctors are taught one thing and that's okay, you know, but they're only required to do one hour of nutrition training in their whole degree. So they just don't have the information. Uh, and so everyone's a specialist in what they do. They can't know everything. No one can. Mm-hmm. But I just wish that mm-hmm. it would be more mainstream. I wish that, you know, my book, Thriving with ADHD, would be handed to a kid that's diagnosed at the age of four rather than that prescription medication. Wow. That's fascinating. So let's go back to your story. So you, your son, you know, your pediatrician saying, let's give him the fourth med. And what was the first thing that you did? I mean, so you you took him took him off completely and started to, you, well, I mean, you tell me. 
<laughs> yeah, sure. So look, no, I didn't take him completely off the meds straight away. And, you know, I never suggest to families to do that. You always have to work in con- um, uh, consultation with your doctor because mm. uh, you've got to sort of go off slowly. But we didn't even consider taking him off until about four months into our journey. And the first thing that we did, we did, and and I did it the wrong way because, you know, I didn't have the guidance and the support. And so what I teach in my program is very different. I basically did some uh, functional lab testing and I removed out all the foods that he was sensitive to on day one, including gluten, dairy, soy, and about 40 of his food sensitivities. And so uh, I did that on day one. Wow. Let's just say I had multiple panic attacks on the floor in my bedroom. And so, no, do not follow what I did. And so, you know, really what I teach families is about we really want to reduce inflammation in the body. And that inflammation in the body comes from multiple aspects. And one of those aspects or one of those foundations is diet. Mm. And so we do remove out the top three inflammatory foods and they are gluten, dairy, and soy. And these are the top three culprits that are driving inflammation in the body, in the brain, and in the gut. And they're highly inflammatory and they can lead to an immune response or an inflammatory response and also lead to increased intestinal permeability, which is known as leaky gut. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch, and I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Ritual's Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Why do we want to reduce inflammation in the, in the body to help ADHD? It's a really, really good question. And I like to look at it. I like to use this analogy of a bucket, okay? And we're all born with a bucket. And we want that bucket to be empty when, uh, uh, when we're born. And we want it to stay as empty as possible throughout our life because uh, that will lead to health and that will lead to wellness and thriving. And so, uh, you know, when we're born, um, if someone has, uh, has be- ha- had a bad pregnancy, um, that kid's bucket might have a little bit of gunk in it already when it's born. You know, my son, for example, he went straight into the NICU. He was had premature lung disease. He was on a CPAP machine and he was given medication and antibiotics. And so when he came home, his bucket was probably already three, you know, a quarter full. Okay. And so we want to maintain that bucket being low. And throughout the years, that bucket fills up. It might fill up with, you know, toxin exposure from, you know, pesticides. It might fill fill up from having bad packaged foods that are loaded with chemicals. It might fill up from heavy metals, if heavy metal exposure. It might fill up because we live in a moldy house. Now, some people, their body works really well and can empty their bucket along the way and keep it low, even if they're exposed to these things because they've got optimized detoxification pathways. However, some people don't. Their genetics predispose them to have, you know, bad detoxification pathways, so they can't empty their bucket. Now, what happens is as we fill up our bucket, it gets very, very heavy and it's all of a sudden gets so full that it spills over into our body and that's when all these symptoms come out, okay? That's when these symptoms of tantrums and meltdowns and hyperactivity and, you know, inability to focus or brain fog that's when all these symptoms come out. So the goal is, and that's all inflammation in the body. So if your kid's melting down at the age of six on the floor multiple times a day, that is not normal. A kid at six should not be going through that. That's their body telling you their bucket's tipped over. Their body is riddled with inflammation and it needs to get checked out. It needs to start reducing that inflammation and work out how we can reduce that inflammation for that kid to thrive. Because that meltdown Every now and again, yeah, that's normal. But if they last for hours on end or they're going multiple times a day, that's not normal and something else is going on. Does that make sense? So basically the inflammation, the body's kind of unable to sort of handle that. The child who's acting badly is feeling badly, right? We know that. So they're they're feeling badly inside and the the inflammation is somehow linked to causing these symptoms of, you know, all those things you talked about, brain fog and ability to focus and things like that. Yeah, but way more than that. You know, I'm just focusing it on ADHD. That inflammation is driving disease, okay? 
And, uh, you know, so you said that your husband has some health concerns right now. There's probably his body's in a state of inflammation. Uh, is it coming from the gut? Is it, you know, most of it's coming from the gut. 80% of our entire immune system is within the gut walls. And so, uh, you know, when we are exposed with all of these things, whether it be antibiotics, you know, antibiotics actually um, change the whole gut microbiome. And so, uh, you know, they try to kill off the bad bacteria, but they also kill off the good bacteria. So when you stop them, your body can't actually fight off bad bacteria in the future. And so you get this overgrowth of this bad bacteria. Now, the gut is connected to the brain and it's connected by two-way chemical messengers. So if you've got a broken down gut and you've got that overgrowth of that bacteria, that's traveling through those connection, that highway into the brain and causing things like brain fog and inability to focus and attention issues, all of those sort of things. But also that leaky gut is connected to things like allergies, asthma, uh, diabetes. It, you know, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, when I, when I talk about these three foods, they create inflammation, but they also create that leaky gut, which also creates all of these other symptoms because of that gut-brain connection and because how connected the gut is to every part of our body. You know, I'll give you an example. We had a family that did my program. We changed the whole family's diet, including the parents. And the mother had terrible, terrible hip inflammation and was waiting for a specialist appointment at the doctor. And 10 weeks into my program, the doctor rang and said, come on, let's get you in. We've got an appointment for you. Let's do some investigation of what's driving that inflammation. Let's get you on some medication. And she said, I don't need to come in anymore. It's completely disappeared. I mean, this woman couldn't even get out of bed before. And 10 weeks into my program of changing her diet, reducing that inflammation, bringing in some supplements to heal her gut, it's gone. So gluten, dairy, and soy, you said, are the most detrimental. But a lot of people do okay, right, with these foods, right? Like we know that dairy was, you know, we had some some sort of mostly in Northern Europe, we evolved to be able to digest dairy. I personally can't digest dairy. I have like an allergy to it. But I mean, maybe you don't know the answer to this question, but like, why do we, why do we have problems with gluten, dairy, and soy? Some of us have these problems and some people are having cheese and crackers every night before dinner. Yeah. So, uh, because their bucket is not full, okay, and you know, or their 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 body has um a optimized detoxification pathway, so they can continue to empty it, or they actually don't know that they're sick, and so symptoms don't come out until your bucket tips over, and so they may be you know causing damage, or you know they might be uh you know when they get older, when they get sixty, they might all of a sudden have all of these issues that come out because their bucket starts to tip over, so. Everyone's so different. Everyone gets exposed to so many different things. Everyone has different genetics. You know, I, I, I tie it to genetics because, you know, there's a lot of uh, these genetics that will affect how you can detoxify toxins from your body. There's also genetics on how you actually digest food. So if you combine a couple of these, you know, genetic mutations in your body, all of a sudden you can't digest gluten and it causes these problems. It breaks down the lining of the gut. It causes this leaky gut and it actually causes it in everyone. Okay. Uh, but some people can overcome it or their bucket's not full or they can, uh, you know, heal itself by eating something different. And so, you know, it will affect everyone in a different way. And it's really all about when does that bucket tip over? What else is going on in the body that contributes to it? 
Oh, I just want to say, I mean, for me, this, this is interesting that kind of the way you're talking about this, because I'm reading a book about, you know, the environment and, and climate and things like that. And what he's talking about is complex systems. And this is, sounds very much like our body, right, is this very complex system, right, where, you know, in a complex system, it heals itself, it heals itself to bring it back until a point, a tipping point, and then it's just, it can be incredibly hard to come back from, which is kind of what is happen, is happening, right, in, in lots of, you know, environmental crises and things like that. But it sounds like, I, I guess I'm drawing a parallel between that and our bodies, which are also obviously very complex systems, right? Where it, it's it's okay, it's okay, it's okay until it's finally not, right? Exactly. And so, uh, you know, when that bucket tips over, that's when all the symptoms come out. And then you've actually got to do a lot of work to really, you know, reduce those symptoms, reduce that inflammation, heal the body to allow it to function at its best. Now, I'm going to just tie your 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 point to a study um, that was done that in 2018, it was determined that 54% of American children have a chronic disease or illness. And so that figure was only 15% a couple of years before that. And, you know, looking at that increase from 15% to 54%, that is huge. And when I say chronic um, illness or disease, you know, one in two have anxiety, asthma, type 1, type 2 diabetes, epilepsy, cystic fibrosis, heart problems, allergic conditions, learning disabilities, hyperactivity, sinus infections, ear infections. You know, one in five have allergies, one in six have developmental delays, and one in 68 have autism, which has just been revised. I think it's been revised now down to one in 32. And why do you think that this is rise is occurring so rapidly? You know, and it's because it all begins in the gut, but also we are exposed to more and more and more toxins earlier on. Our food supply is getting worse. We're so busy that we're relying on so much more packaged foods. And, you know, as I said earlier, 80% of the body's entire immune system is within the gut wall, along with billions of nerve cells and an extensive amount of beneficial bacteria. So every part of our health is quite literally connected to everything that goes on in the gut. And so we really need to focus on making sure that gut is functioning well so we can feel better, so we can not have these symptoms anymore and we can function at our best. Wow. <laughs> it's a little bit scary, this idea of all of this challenge. And, and I'm, I wonder, like, you know, are we eating that differently than we did in my generation you know, per se. I mean, I ate a lot of, you know, Cheetos at school <laughs> when I was a kid and and chocolate milk, you know. Um. It's not just that. Like, it's not just food. Um, uh, I know, like, if we go back the generation prior to us, it was a lot healthier. Mums wouldn't, you know, go to the office as much. And so they would, you know, be stay-at-home mums. They'd be cooking home meals and things like that. Uh, kids would be out into the in in playing in the in the in the backyard for hours and hours on end. Now they're inside. They're sitting at a desk. They're uh, on their iPads, on their computers for a huge part of the day. They're getting exposure to the EMFs that are coming off that. Uh, we're exposure. We're exposed to a lot more toxins. The amount of you know genetically modified food these days to what it was previously has just changed dramatically. Um, you know, foods that are, are sprayed in these pesticides. Soy, in particular, is one of the largest crops that are sprayed with pesticides. 95% of soy is genetically modified. Um, and so, uh, you know, the food 
supply. They want to make it cheaper. And so they're genetically modifying these crops, including corn. That's coming into our food supply. And we're relying on so much more packaged food than what we used to. So we add that all up and all of a sudden our buckets are filling up a lot quicker than what they used to. Okay. So if kids who are having all these challenges may want to sort of change their their diet, parents who have kids with ADHD may want to, you know, take out gluten, dairy and soy. What are some things that they can eat more of? Yeah, for sure. And look, it's 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 really not just uh, kids with ADHD. It's really everyone. Um, and it's not just about what to take out of the diet. It's most importantly about what to put back in the diet. And as far as what to eat, um, it's my best tip is to focus on whole, nutritious, fresh fruits and veggies, you know, grass-fed animal proteins such as meat, poultry, seafood, eggs, uh, also plenty of healthy fats that feed the brain, which is what we need. Um, avocado, amigas, you know, coconut oil, uh, olive oil. You also want to be drinking plenty of spring water because, you know, the water supply also is filling, it's filled with chemicals. Every state has different levels. It's really quite amazing to look at your water supply in your state. And so I just say, look, focus on drinking um, spring water, uh, but also water helps detox the body. So, you know, if your bucket is full, you want to detox it out. Water helps remove toxins that are already there. And these provide our body with the nutrients it needs so that it can function at its best. And for me, I think when buying ingredients or buying product uh, packaged food, my rule of thumb is to avoid anything you can't pronounce. Uh, if you can't pronounce it, put it back. Uh, and usually like I like to look at packaged foods that have sort of like five or less ingredients because the more ingredients they have, the more you know preservatives and artificial flavors and artificial colors and things like that. And I just want to point out uh, it's really interesting that, so in America, for example, the recipe of ketchup in America is different to that of Australia and the UK and Europe. And if you have a look at the ingredients in exactly the same brand in America, it's full of high fructose corn syrup, artificial flavors and things like that. Whereas in Australia, in the UK and in Europe, it has none of that. That's true. I mean, uh, we've experienced that ourselves. We took our girls to Ireland in 2016 and had a great time. And on the way back, certainly wouldn't approve of that. But anyway, we gave them whatever, our leftover euros and said, go buy whatever you want. They came back with Starburst and, you know, we opened up the candies and the lemon was white. All of them were very, very pale. There was barely any color in any of the, the candies that are normally in the United States. Bright red, bright yellow, bright green. And it was it's because those food colorings, these chemicals, are banned in the rest of the world because there are there are legitimate scientific studies that have shown connections between those and um kids health and kids attention and ability. Hyperactivity. Hyperactivity, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like that's that's one of the studies that I always I always talk about. Um, and it's it's interesting in 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 Europe, um, they actually, uh, you know, when a study comes out, um, the uh, like like the FDA, you know, where they approve all the food and all of the supplements or whatever uh, in Europe, um, you actually have to prove to the FDA that it's not bad for you. Whereas here in America, 
you have to prove that it's that it is like you have to prove that, that it is bad for you. Like it's the opposite of each other. So I don't know if I, I messed that up that the way I said that. No, no. What you, yeah, what you mean is like that it's assumed that it's safe. In Europe, you have to prove that it's safe. It's assumed that it's not safe. They have to prove that it's safe. Yes. And here it's assumed that it's safe, which is dangerous, right? Like that's not yes. a cool way. I mean, that's what they do with a lot of chemical the chemical in- industry here in the United States. It's bananas. Yeah, exactly. And look, there are a lot of studies out there that also support the food changes in ADHD. There was a study done in 2015 and it concluded that 64% of children diagnosed with ADHD were actually experiencing a hypersensitivity to food. 64% of that study. You know, I wonder what might happen if these children change their diets and remove foods that they were sensitive to. You know, is it possible that these ADHD symptoms would disappear or become more manageable? Um, uh, there was another study that showed that 56% of ADHD kids tested positive for food allergies compared to less than 8% of kids in the general population. And that tells me there's a clear correlation between ADHD and food allergies. And I could go on and on and on. I don't think you want me just to like <laughs> throw studies out there, but yeah. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. So I have a husband who I can't eat gluten. And it's a pain in the butt, man. I have to say, like as somebody, I personally have no problems with gluten as far as I know. And, you know, I I used to like bake my own bread and make my own muffins and do all these things. And and I don't do that anymore. You know, it's it's 
can be challenging to, you know, we're very adapted to it now, but taking out gluten and dairy and soy, that can be a real challenge for parents. And especially if you're, you know, you have two parents who work full time, you may want them to just be able to grab a granola bar to bring to school or eat school lunch or whatever that is. Uh, it can be kind of a full-time job to prep all those veggies. What are your, some of the ideas that or ways that you have to help parents simplify this and make this less an onerous change? Yeah. Um, look, um, I get it. You know, it seems so overwhelming at first and it is a challenge, but it does become your new normal. And so just as you maybe do taco Tuesdays every night and we just look at how do we make that gluten, dairy and soy free. And it's actually really easy with tacos. But, um, uh, you know, what uh, What I tell families is, and this is what I didn't do and that's why I teach them is, this is that Rome wasn't built in a day and transforming your family's diet won't be complete in a day either and it's okay to take it slowly. Uh, it's okay to take one step at a time and if the pace that's doable for you is one change per week or one change every two weeks, then that's perfectly okay. You know, families need to give themselves permission to take it slow, okay? This is, it's not a diet. It's its not a phase. It's a permanent lifestyle change. And when it becomes part of your lifestyle, it becomes second nature. Uh, and it's really not that hard. And so we really guide the families step by step and slowly through the process. There are better for you alternatives for everything. You know, there are, I've got hundreds of recipes for muffins. I've got hundreds of recipes for gluten-free bread. So I can totally share some of those with you afterwards if you want to get back to baking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my husband both work full time. We are super busy. We've got two busy boys and we don't even think about it anymore. And when you make slop small, slow changes, all of a sudden you turn around and you're like, oh, this is our new normal. I don't have to think about it anymore. You know, we go out and eat all the time. You know, I don't even call up and to see what's going on because I know that there will always be something that we can eat. And, you know, my son goes to birthday parties. My, you know, my kids go here, there, and we always find something to eat. And so, you know, it's it's this mindset shift. A lot of the time, it's us as parents that going, oh, my God, that seems so overwhelming. I'm not going to be able to do it. But when you make small, slow changes, it's super easy. Start with breakfast, okay? Let's clean up breakfast. When you're happy with that and everyone's happy, then go, okay, well, every Monday night I'm going to do a new dinner, you know, or I'm going to look at what meals I make and the family like, and I'm going to spend 30 minutes and just change a few things to make them gluten and dairy free and, you know, or doing one meal a week. So doing these small, so slow steps actually like adjusts it really slowly and it's part of your normal lifestyle and you don't think about it. So it is, it does seem so overwhelming but really, like this is what we're, what I'm an expert in, and and all of my program is designed to take you know families step by step from day zero to day uh, you know six months down the track. So uh, in in getting them where they need to go without as much stress as you know when I did it all by myself and I had multiple panic attacks on the floor. Uh, so uh, it's it is overwhelming at first, but it's not impossible. And when you get there, it's like wow, you know I've done it, and this is how we live life. What about the expense? You know, having food that doesn't have pesticides can be expensive. Gluten-free breads, gluten-free products. The gluten-free pasta is 12 ounces when all other pasta is 16 ounces. They just give us a bit less and they charge that much more. Yeah. My personal beef. Can you tell? Yeah. But anyway, 
how can listeners make healthy eating more affordable? Yeah, look, that's a good question. Um, and I'm going to answer it in a couple of different ways. The first one, I would like to say that, you know, yes, it is more expensive and I would love this to change. I would love to see healthy food be the same price or even cheaper than the processed CRAP food, you know, but that's a tangent for another day. Now, there are definitely things that we can make it um, healthy eating more affordable. One thing I think is more of a mindset shift. It's not a way to save money, but one thing that really helped me to get through this in terms of adjusting my expectations in what I'm spending on food, you know, is to remember that even though food, you know, these foods are cheaper, um, the bad foods are cheaper for you and they may seem easier um, and better for the budget today, they actually cost us more in the long run. You know, for us, it was in the form of tantrums and meltdowns and upset tummies and a life that was so chaotic that every morning I dreaded waking up. And so uh, for me, that mindset shift was huge. It helped me a lot because I would much rather have a higher grocery bill um, and a happier, healthier family than a lower grocery bill and, and have constant tantrums and meltdowns and a child whose body was racked with inflammation. So that's the first thing that I will say. Um, but also I will say that like, you know, eating healthier may be more expensive up front, but in the long run, when we're taking care of the body and feeding it the foods that it needs, families save money with future medical bills. Like your husband's going through some medical challenges now. And so, you know, that costs money. And if we can, you know, stop that before it actually happens, then, you know, we will be so much better off. Medical bills are way more expensive than, than healthy food. So let's get to the tips because that's not what you want to hear. But there are many, many tips that, we, that I can share to save money. And the first one is meal plan, meal plan, meal plan. Uh, you know, meal planning is probably the best thing families can do to save money on nutritious food because it prevents us from running through the drive through or grabbing convenience food that actually costs more money and aren't as nutritious. And planning meals also enables us to group meals together that have common ingredients. You know, we can choose meals that make great leftovers. We can make meals ahead of time with common ingredients and freeze them cooked or uncooked. Uh, you can buy food when it's on sale and put it in the freezer. I also like to look at the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 from ewg.org uh, and they have these and they put them out every year and the Dirty Dozen is the foods that um, have the most pesticides on them so you definitely want to buy organic for those ones and then the Clean 15 are the ones that have the least amount of pesticides on them and so you can buy non-organic for those and then everything in between is based on your budget, you know, because every family's budget is different and so while buying organic for everything is best. I don't do it for everything, but there are things that I definitely buy it for. Uh, and I, you know, stay with the the dirty dozen and the clean 15. The other thing is, you know, when you buy produce, buy produce when it's in season from a farmer's market. And sometimes local farmers may not be certified organic, but they don't use pesticides and they just can't afford to get the organic label. So that's a really good way of doing it as well. And staying away from processed foods. While they are more convenient, they cost a lot more money and they aren't as nutritious. And what we want to do is choose foods that are whole and give the body the nutrition it needs to heal. And then you're actually saving money that way. Uh, you said you made bread uh, in the past. Make bread from scratch, you know, or don't use it at all. You don't really have to have bread. Uh, we don't eat bread. I mean, occasionally we'll buy gluten-free bread, but it is really expensive. Um, so I often, you know, suggest if you've got a bread maker, Make the bread yourself and there's some really good mixes or you can make your own. 
you can make home, you know, pancake mixes at home as well. Uh, and I could go on and on. I've got lots more if you want me to keep going. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. I, I think we're, we're getting the idea. Um, I wanted to ask about this because actually this is something that we've been experiencing recently. My husband has gone to a functional medicine doctor for his, and you talk a little bit about like the role of functional lab testing in supporting ADHD. What is that? Yeah, so uh, I like to think of it kind of like a microscope, you know, looking deep in the body. And we use functional lab testing to identify those hidden stresses uh, in the body, things that are going on. And, um, you know, they're different than just a traditional medicine. Traditional medicine looks to diagnose and treat the symptoms of what's going on. Functional medicine looks deeper. Why are you having those symptoms? Let's get to the root of what's actually going on, target that, and then the symptoms will disappear. You know, traditional medicine will give a pill to reduce symptoms, but they don't go away. They just reduce while you're taking the pill. But we find, you know, with functional medicine, it's really to get to the root of what's going on and look at it from a holistic point of view. It's not just diet. It's not just supplements. It's not just, you know, functional lab testing and seeing what's going on. It's a multiple things. It's diet, lifestyle, rest, exercise, stress management, supplementation. When you bring that all together, it provides this really great plan to get you to a place where you need to go. Now, in particular, in ADHD, there are four base tests that I suggest to families that I'm working with, and they give us a really good idea of a good starting point, a good high-level picture. Uh, I, you know, we can look at so many more, but these are a really good starting point. One of them is a stool test, and that gives us a clear picture of the state of the gut because the gut-brain connection in ADHD is huge. Uh, you know, I've talked about that vagus nerve and that two-way chemical messengers that travel from the gut to the brain, but also 95% of serotonin and 50% of dopamine are made in our gut. And these are our happy, feel-good neurotransmitters or hormones that help manage our mood, regulate our emotions, and maintain our cognitive function. And emotional dysregulation is massive in ADHD. And so let's work on the gut where the serotonin and the dopamine are made so the body can actually make more of it itself rather than just using medication that optimizes, you know, what you've got or, you know, boosts up what you've got. So the stool test will look at what's going on in the in the gut. Is there inflammation? Is there leaky gut? Is there, are you digesting your food properly? And, and so forth that, that way. Um, the next test we look at is a food sensitivity panel, and that looks for inflammatory reactions in the body to certain foods. Now, food sensitivities are different to allergies. You know, true allergies you, you can't really heal from, but um, food sensitivities are causing inflammation. When you've got inflammation in your body, you've got symptoms. But when you've got inflammation from foods, it actually further breaks down the lining of the gut. So it's like this vicious cycle that you've got going on. Um, something in the body has caused leaky gut, and these foods leak through into the bloodstream. The, blood, the body determines that it's something foreign and that's the way that we're designed and it turns on this inflammatory response to try and kill it off. Uh, but in doing that, it further breaks down the lining of the gut and then we get more food sensitivity. So it's this vicious cycle. We take them out to heal the gut and reduce inflammation and then we add them back in later. The third test that we look at is something called an organic acid test. It's a urine test. It's a really awesome test because it looks at over 70 different important markers in the whole body and how it's functioning. It can show you the need for specific nutrients, 
such as B vitamins, uh, which are really, really important for our compromised kids, uh, diet modification, detoxification pathways, as I was talking earlier, are they able to empty their bucket? Uh, it's looking at those neurotransmitters, the serotonin, the dopamine. It's looking for yeast and mold and things like that. And then the final base test that we use is something called a cryptopyrrole test. And pyrroles are a normal chemical byproduct in the body, and they attach to vitamin B6 and zinc and draw these elements out of the body when they're excreted through the urine. So if someone has uh, elevated pyrroles in their urine, it can result in a dramatic deficiency of zinc and B6. And it's frequently identified in ADHD, uh, depression, aggression, um, and includes symptoms, things like poor tolerance to uh, physical or emotional stress, poor anger control, mood swings, poor short-term memory, aggression, uh, sensitivity to light and sound. And a lot of those symptoms are that of ADHD. So that's why I find those four base tests to be a really good overview of the body. Wow. All right. So for the parent who is is interested in uh, these things. This is this is you're getting all this incredible information from Dana Kay. I really, uh, really, really appreciate it. So this is a change that we are looking at, like throughout our lives, right? How how quickly can some of these, as people start to change diet, how can how quickly can some of these symptoms change? Yeah, and that's a really good question. The day that we start, the body starts to change. But I can tell you with my son, uh, we took out these foods. Literally two or three weeks later, he was a different kid. It was amazing. For some kids, it can take three to six months. Uh, and some kids, it can take up to a year because their body's in such a state of dysfunction. It really depends on the child. But you can have some dramatic changes really quickly. And the day that we start, the inflammation starts to reduce. And so, uh, you know, it's just a matter of time that we are able to reduce it enough to actually see the symptoms melt away. One of the biggest changes we see straight away is a reduction in meltdowns, a reduction in tantrums, their frequency, their severity, their length of time, you know, how often they happen. And um, for that, we, you know, and if there are any parents out there that are listening that have kids with ADHD and that have tantrums, that's the hardest symptom, I think, that it is to manage because it puts the family on hold. It makes the home such a stressful place to be in. And so to know that that's the first thing that actually changes is so comforting because that's the hardest. Well, Dana, I really appreciate you coming on the Mindful Mama podcast and sharing everything you know here with the listener. Uh, for people who want to find out more, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, I, my book was launched probably about two months ago. Uh, you can find that at the ADHD, sorry, ADHDthriveinstitute.com forward slash book. Uh, you can find out uh, more about working with me at ADHDthriveinstitute.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and other social platforms at ADHD Thrive Institute. <laughs> All right. I think we got that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, I think it's such a way to take something that was such a huge challenge and so much suffering for you and your family and turn that around. Um, and I, I can relate to that myself. And I, I, I really appreciate the work that you've done and for you sharing your voice here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really good to talk to you. I hope this episode was helpful for you. This is a, such a challenging issue and maybe the gut-brain connection is going to be 
a piece that really helps for you. I hope that is so. And if it is helpful for you, please go over and leave a Apple Podcasts review. It just makes such a big difference. And um, and I appreciate it so, so much. I want to give a shout out to M-E-R-M-E Reynolds Craft, who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. They said, thank you. Thank you for your wonderful, helpful, and reassuring podcast. I appreciate you and the dialogue with your guests. I'm always learning something, feel inspired, and feel better about myself and my family after listening to your podcast. Yay! Thank you so much for that review. It makes such a big difference. I hope you have a lovely week, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the feedback, all those wonderful things. Thank you for reading Raising Good Humans. I haven't even told you yet. Oh my gosh. Second book is coming out on August 1st. August 1st, Raising Good Humans Every Day, 50 chapters, short chapters. I'm so excited about it. Shafali Sabari is doing the forward. It's fabulous. I'm so, so excited. So keep an eye out for that. Make sure you're on my mailing list so I can let you know all about it. Okay, that's all I got for you today. Wishing you a lovely, lovely week, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I had this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.